Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to The Match Ball, the post-Nottingham Forest review episode. I'm Dan Moylan. This is Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White's here as well. Hello. Daniel Chapman. Hello, mate. You're right. Uh, I've not been to this game today, so fill me in. What's happened? Been at your, your horrid child's birthday, haven't you? I think, I believe. Yeah, we had a jolly nice time. I'm glad it rained. Tempin bowling and chicken nuggets was the order of the day. What about at Ellen Road? Pretty good, apart from uh, the result, as usual. Um, Pat Bamford, I think we praised him last time. Missing just, loads of chances. Just hit the ball. Patrick, hit the ball. Yeah, it was much like a lot of last season, really. We, I mean, we, had, we battered them, really. Mm-hmm. They were crap. They, the, the difference in quality of overall play was absolutely enormous. The statistic I was keeping an eye on all match, or at least the uh, the map I was keeping an eye on all match, and I think I've correctly confirmed this, they didn't make a single successful pass into our penalty area in the entire game. The one I've seen on Twitter, you'll like this one, I think all three of their forwards uh, all compute, uh, completed fewer passes than Kiko Casilla. Yes, so that tells you a lot about the game. It was uh, it had it had end of last season vibes, and I think that's possibly why um, there's more uh, like a slight level of anger above frustration about that result. Is that after the optimism of Bristol, I think everybody's really, really hoping that we're not going to just have an entire season of the second half of last season, or specifically the last quarter. Was it like that today? Pretty much. It was. <laughs> Like I say, the chances were there, and Bamford had. He should have scored at least two, I think. The one that he hit into the ground and then went off the crossbar, and then the one where the keeper came out and he should have just looped it over the top of him and into the net. They were the two big ones. There was one in the first half which I couldn't see as well from where I was. The first half one, if he. It was a beautiful long pass forward by Ben White that was just sitting up, bouncing for him, and you're thinking, just hit this across the keeper and you'll score a goal. And he took a touch. And went too wide, and then I'm not sure if it was a save or if it somehow managed to hit the near post. But he he basically he didn't have the confidence to just go wallop, um, and that was the perfect time in the match as well. It was it kind of uh, I think it was about after about half an hour, and it sort of killed the momentum of the the rest of the half. It it got quite flat towards the end of the first half after a really exciting start mm. where we thought, oh, we're going to batter these, um, and it was the longer we went without scoring. Um, the the worse it kind of felt. I think there's he was he had two chances, didn't he? Actually, thinking about it in fairly quick succession, there was one where 
there was a through ball, then he had one a couple of minutes after as well. Yeah, it's the second, the two in the second half when we were one. No, no, this is the first half. Oh, okay. He had two in fairly quick succession as well. Um, yeah, and it like I think just like you say that did just end the half more or less. We, it was a that's one of the ways it was like last season. If we'd scored halfway through the first half, brilliant. Everything then suddenly feels a little bit more set up. Apart from obviously the Wigan game is an example of where that doesn't work. But um, yeah, it, we just managed to drag ourselves down into that. Oh, this is this isn't going to just be a walkover. And do you think that? It certainly transmits itself to the crowd, doesn't it? But do you think it transmits itself to the players? We spoke about it towards the end of last season, almost like the yips. The players overall, I thought, seemed fairly calm, other than probably... It sounds like we're really laying into him again. <laughs> other than probably Bamford. Mm. The yeah. build-up play was all was all pretty good, I have to say. I thought, I thought Harrison did really well out on the left. I thought we actually lost a bit of momentum when he went off. I didn't know if he was injured because he'd been down... He was down briefly before mm. it. I heard on the radio afterwards it was suggesting there'd been a, maybe a little bit of a niggle but nothing too much to worry about. Yeah, he did He did seem to stay down after a, a tackle but I thought he was doing really well um, out wide. Pablo was doing his usual thing. Forshaw and Klitsch, I'm still never quite sure how that whole thing's working but it seemed to be going fine. We were dominating it. Semedo in midfield for them was getting quite a bit of the ball and he was he was if anything was going to happen for them it seemed to be through him. But overall we were we were dominant everywhere. I thought Ben White was good again at the back. Um, th- there were a couple of nice moments with White where he looked at a pass and thought twice about it, brought it back in, a few more touches like he did against Bristol. Just shows he is able to think quickly, which I quite I quite enjoy. Uh, versus their defenders who were just twatting it upfield every time they got it. and Or when they did try and make a pass, it was to someone who was in a complete panic because they obviously don't play like that. Just been reading Mateus Click's uh, post-match comments. We dropped two points. It's not rocket science. Is that a fair assessment? <laughs> yeah, we should. Do. I mean, we were talking uh, last week after the Bristol game. Oh, that's kind of that's a really good result. If it had been a end of the season title race, we'd think. And the way the other results went as well, that all the other. I mean, it depends what's happening. It's half past three now. Um, whether other teams are at the moment, Cardiff. If Cardiff get the win that they didn't get last week, and it all evens out, and we we lose that vital first match advantage. Um, because I'm still holding on for us to be top from the uh, start of the season to the last match. Um, yeah, so I think there's an edge uh, an edge of that about it. And I was thinking what you said there about the the nervousness in the stands. It was, re- it was quite strangely noticeable today. I suppose it's the first game at Elland Road since the derby. Since the darkness. Yeah, since the darkness. But we were so good today. But, and as I pointed out, uh, Nottingham Forest didn't pass the ball into our box successfully once. And yet, when they did get the ball, the, and if it looked even like a little bit dangerous, you could just feel something in the crowd where it was like, oh. And, you know, we've got 70% of the possession or something ridiculous. And when Nottingham Forest do get the ball, they're not, they didn't, they never really looked like they were going to do anything with it. And yet you could still feel this, just this kind of almost as if we're worrying if Leeds don't have 100% possession. Like if we let them have the ball once, it's like, no, what are you doing? And it, I don't know if that's communicating to the the players necessarily. It's not like it's not a critical point or a criticism of of how the crowd is. It's, it's noticeable that 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 is present. You can feel this kind of tension. And the longer it seems to go on during the game, the higher that tension gets. Is that fair reflection on today? Yeah, I think that was that was my point with the first half. That if Bamford had hit that one in, great, that would have cooled everybody down. Um, 
Pablo's scoring, when he did in the second half, seemed to, to solve that problem. We'll come on to the good stuff. We'll stick with the bad stuff. I had this feeling we let Forrest back into the game afterwards. And I think Bielsa's been saying the few minutes up until they scored and let them have those couple of corners wasn't good. And I was thinking, um, well, I was saying to you, I, I happened to be seated next to local noted local journalist Phil Hay, and he said to me, if we score one more, this game is done. And I was thinking... If they score one more, I don't think we could score another because it had taken us that long for Pablo to score. I thought we're not going to have another hour to score again if we uh, if we let one in, and it just yeah that creeping. Maybe that's where the tension comes from. We know Leeds United too well. That creeping sense of inevitability that something will happen at a corner that we've yet to clearly identify. I'm yet to see their goal back, but there is some talk as well that it was a handball and there was a foul before it and. It shouldn't really have been given from from the cop. It was just a big jumble of bodies all in a big pile. What? I was I was distracted by one of our. We were trying to bring Jamie Shackleton on, and I noticed one of our coaches was uh, basically berating Jack Clark down the touchline for not warming up uh, energetically enough. Maybe um, he needs like a Red Bull or something just to perk him up. I think that. And so those were the thoughts that were going through my mind as I was kind of daydreaming. Oh, Jack Clark's getting shouted at. And then suddenly I looked over and like Kiko's on the floor. All the players are piling in. It looked like a, a school rugby game at the back post. And uh, Bamford's loving it. <laughs> oh, great. You're playing my game, chaps. Leave him alone. Um, I'm sorry for Pat Bamford. Well, he needs to recognise that we've signed uh, the new Ian Wright. Or um, I saw within... Uh, uh, during the week, there were two tweets next to each other on my timeline from different news sources. One said, uh, Leeds are signing the new Ian Wright. And then the other one said, Leeds signing the new Tammy Amber- Abraham. It's like, how many other players is this kid going to be compared to? But, we've, you know, we've got a shit-hot striker now waiting in the wings, um, which is probably where Bielsa will play him. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned there about a foul in the build-up. I have seen a clip that has been put on Twitter Um and it does seem to show, it's like circled and highlighted, it does seem to show a fairly clear, clear shove in the build-up for one of our players who was tracking back. It's not entirely um, out of character that the ref got that wrong. I think he, he got a lot wrong. Talk to me about the ref. Sorry sorry to interrupt, Moscow. I was just going to say, talk to me about the ref, because um, there's a lot of blame being put on his shoulders from everything I've read online, saying he was he's made a lot of bad decisions and we should have had possibly two or three penalties. I think for balance, we should say that our goal apparently was offside. Forest fans seem to be moaning about this. Bamford's not the actual goal, but the Bamford's touch in the build-up was apparently offside. You can't really see it from the replay I've seen of it because he's he's out of picture. Um, so we'll assume it wasn't. So we'll assume that it, that was a correct decision and rightly a uh, rightly uh, goal for us. I think there's a foreshore one which wasn't, which didn't even from the opposite end of the pitch. It looked like foreshore had gone down like yeah. a sack of shit after about five minutes. There's the Costa one in particular that seems to have raised the ire, and the Dallas one as well, where Dallas gets first to the ball and the Forest player just basically boots him in the back of the leg. The ball almost. He's probably saved from it being a penalty by the fact the ball's not really anywhere near it mm. anymore because Dallas has kicked it away. But he also gets nowhere near the ball and very near the back of Dallas's calf, which just gets leathered into the air. So it it is a it is definitely a penalty. I've not seen the Costa one again. It, there were two on Costa, which I thought the first one probably wasn't. He just got there were just too many people and he was kind yeah. of out. He was kind of smothered out of it. But the second one, it looked more like yeah, he beat the guy and he just shoved him. Yeah, shoved him over the goal line. Like, I'll just push you over. Yeah, but he was he was a pretty rubbish old game. I thought the ref he gave he seemed to give Joe Lolly a free kick every time he wanted one. Just he just sort of would fall over. Touch of the Grealishes. If um, well, the referee himself had a touch of the the Grealishes with his slicked slick back hair. It was somewhere between Grealish and Michael Portillo. 
we have history with this referee. He he's the man who sent off Union O'Kane for that vicious headbutt oh, at Ipswich. Um, we do owe him one, I think, because the Calvin Phillips yellow card was could have been a red. That was very reckless. Uh, he was he feet were off the ground, weren't they? I yeah. didn't see that. Uh, but what the referee absolutely loved it because the whistle that he tooted uh, it tooted for some time, and uh, he seemed to be really kind of. He was getting a lot of action out of that whistle. And I noticed that. He had a few... There was an offside decision as well where he, he whistled as if it was like the beginning of a like a, a big melee. Um, you know, when, when players start charging in from all sides and the referee's in the middle of it going, doo, doo, doo. I can't whistle, so I can't do the noise. Um, that's the nearest I could do. Um, he was doing that and it's like, yeah, Bamford's offside. What's up? Are you okay? Um, and of course, the final, the final blast on it was uh, for full time, which... We've been there before with some referees. So it's like, oh, Leeds are attacking at Elland Road in a game that they really need to win. I think I'm going to wait until they're just about to go over the halfway line into a lot of space. Helder Costa, their fastest player, who could probably go go around that slow uh, fullback and set up a chance to score. Now's the perfect time to blow the final whistle. And in a way, it kind of, uh, it, it helped in the one sense because it took a little bit of the heat off um, our players because I, I don't know what the crowd reaction would have been to that 1-1. One, one. Um, everybody was booing the referee and kind of nobody was booing Patrick Bamford at that point, so it was fine. But it didn't help us because it meant we couldn't fucking score. Prick. Although uh, the general vibe, because I ducked onto Twitter during the Tempin bowling game that I've just left a short while ago, ducked onto Twitter to see that the reaction online seemed to be from Elton Road or people watching anyway at least, that that should have been a red Calvin Phillips. Yeah. That's what. That's the one thing that's to the referee's credit is that he didn't send Calvin Phillips off, so we owe him one. Um, Calvin maybe needs to realise uh, that red cards do count now. Like the Calgary one was all right. Needs to just uh, cool it down a little bit. But uh, what what did happen, by the way? Because I haven't seen it. It was just a he, uh, like a fifty-fifty ball. He went in a little bit late and a little bit off the ground. It wasn't terrible. It was it a was bit just, like the one he got sent off for. At, um, Stoke last year, Forest, uh, Forest away, Forest, wasn't it? Oh, was it Forest away? Yes, where he just yeah. went, just went over the top of the ball a bit, and it wasn't, it wasn't actually in danger of really damaging anyone in that particular instance. But it's, he can't really do it. It's just it's mistimed and mis. I think I think he realises halfway through. He's like, oh, I fucked up because he gets up. Um, particularly in this one, he got up straight away. And he went to the players. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so it's just like clumsiness, but quite severe clumsiness. That aside, he played some very nice little balls up the wing today. There was one in the first half to Pablo down the uh, down the right hand side, which was a thing of beauty. He made some uh, beautiful passes. You mentioned um, Ben White sort of being in control of his distribution. The, the chance we talked about in the first half with Bamford came from him. Kind of, I think again the crowd were getting a little bit on edge edge with him because he he had the ball and he kind of turned away. He decided not to pass to Calvin. He decided not to pass to Cooper, and some attackers were coming in and he's stepping away and everyone's going like you're going to do something and he selected his beautiful pass over the top for for Bamford he was very calm with it and I was going to give uh, when you were running through players who did well today Liam Cooper I think both games so, so far has been really mm-hmm. really good um, he's kind of taken over the the Pontus role of just being the physical I'm going to get he's looked very good today getting in front of the uh, the striker to clear the ball before it got to him um, and sort of getting over him, just making sure they didn't win win the ball. So 
as a as a combination at the back, they look great. Just can't can defend corners if it's their fault. It's going to be somebody's fault. We need to blame somebody. Blame Kiko. Can do. He's the oldest. Yes. Yeah. He <laughs> can take, take it on the chin. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right then, talk to me about Helder Costa. What was he like? Quite good, I think. Promising. He's rapid and he nutmegs people. That's two good things. It's like, uh, it was great when Pablo Hernandez nutmegged uh, was it one Bristol City player twice? Or was it two Bristol City players once? It was two once, wasn't it? <laughs> um, but he's then quite slow because, you know, he's old. Um, but Helder Costa can nutmeg somebody and then run away, and it's pretty good. He got held up in traffic a couple of times when trying to go around people, but the thing is he's willing to actually go past people. And how, even if he isn't always successful, having someone that the opposition knows will try to do that, and it kind of affects the way people have to play against you. You have to start doubling up on people and giving Bielsa's like of overloading certain bits of the pitch. If you've got one player taking two out of the way somewhere else, that can only be a good thing. I think that was the one part of it that didn't quite work when he came on because um, we plan it. In the first half, it was working quite well with Pablo being uh, on the side of the overload and then he can swing it across to Jack Harrison. It was really good while he was on. But today when Helder Costa came on, we were really trying hard to get the ball down the side to Helder Costa. Um, and Alioski was on the other side, just kind of, um, well, he had to uh, argue about throwing with a kid to uh, uh, get involved, um, which was quite entertaining. What, was he squabbling about a school age, with a school age? No, time? not a literal kid. Uh, just somebody who was playing for Forest oh. who was taking ages over a throwing, so uh, Berardi... Uh, Alioski sort of dragged his arm and sort of made him turn around to face him so he could give him the ball. And the guy's like, it was just, it was typical Alioski <laughs> stuff. Berardi uh, totaled a ball boy uh, completely by accident. I think it might be the same instant. He jumped up to catch the ball and landed basically stumbling over one of the ball kids. Um, but in the touching moment, he uh, I noticed he was uh, ruffling his hair and making sure he was okay. It was quite nice. I'd be interested to know what the consensus is on Harrison because I thought he played well today, but there were some people... Near me saying he was shit. He was so a little, I'm he never looked, sure. He looked a little less um, confident than he did at Bristol because at Bristol he seemed to be really all about taking somebody on and cutting in. 
And today he seemed to be back to a little bit of last season of getting the ball and kind of passing inside to click mm. um, when he is good enough to take people on. But um, no, I thought he was, I thought he was really good. I'm quite happy with Harrison so far. It wasn't it certainly wasn't a performance where you go that was shit. It was. Because you know. that is Bamford's role this week. Yeah, we've got him for that, so it's absolutely <laughs> fine. And uh, yeah, Costa was all right. Um, I think we need to. He brought pace. I was start, I was thinking that towards um, yeah in the second half, as the game kind of dwindled on without us scoring. That, that yeah, that problem of last season of us just not really having that explosive player. I don't think Alioski had come on by that point either. So it's very. You know, everybody's just a bit medium, um, and Costa suddenly could could go past people at a rapid click. It changes Not the pace. Click. It changes the pace of the game, doesn't it? It does change the pace of the game, and it yeah, it's it's good. Pace is good. Players like if when I was playing sensible world of soccer, I used to immediately sign. Uh, I think he was David Paul from Birmingham City. Was their right back for about three hundred grand because he was just he was incredibly fast, and if you had a fast player, you could do loads with it. General vibe online with Harrison that I've seen on Twitter is people saying that he kind of didn't know what to do with the final ball again. Yeah, there was a statistic at halftime that um, only two out of 19 of our crosses were successful. LUFC data on Twitter, but I noticed that one. Um, and that's not good enough, but it's whether you blame the quality of the cross or whether you, you wish Patrick Bamford could attack them more, whether we need to be more precise, whether he needs to be more... Um, more like the Ian Baird that we saw last week, just like getting on the end of it and sticking his nut on it. Um, yeah, it's hard to say exactly where it's going wrong, but I think Bielsa's mentioned it in his press conference as well. It's the, the connection between the wide attacker and the central attacker with the cross has been less than adequate. Is that what he means? Does he mean the channels? Does he mean the crosses? What does I think he, mean? he means we weren't hitting the striker with the crosses. That's it. If we do hit the striker with the crosses, we score more goals. Bamford but, does have a, a, bit, a bit of a tendency to drift out wide and things as well, which, for all we know, is part of his instruction. But there mm-hmm. were several points where he was out on one of the wings and there was actually no one in the middle. Or you've got like a Forshaw and Klitsch trying to get in there. But I mean, I don't... Yeah, we should probably... We'll leave off maybe uh, battering Bamford too much and just maybe say that we're looking forward to seeing him catch you. Is that, <laughs> that the vibe? I'm not sure what sort of a player he is, really, because we've not, we've not seen anything anything of him. I don't know if he scores he'll... goals. Okay, that's better. Yeah, that's it. And do you think Bamford's suffering a little bit with the pressure? He didn't seem to be last. He, I mean, he was really good against Bristol. He was fine. Like the goal he took was good. It's overall play. There was one time. Yeah, we're picking on the one time when he was outside the box and ambling in, and you're thinking, "Come on, show some urgency." And you'd, you'd hope that the pressure of the new Ian Wright or the new Tammy Abraham turning up ready to take his place in the team, you know, it's not Kemal Roof that he's got to worry about now. It's this 20-year-old wonderkind that um, in uh, Angus, if Angus Kinn is to be believed, one of the reasons we had to wait to be able to sign him from Arsenal was because they're deciding whether he's going to be third choice behind um Whoever Arsenal's trying to... Aubameyang and Lacazette. Lacazette. Yes. So it's I mean, like, I don't know anything about football and I knew it was Lacazette. They'd brought in... Uh, and they ended up signing a third player and, and giving him another year out on loan. But they were like, he could be the, the, the stand-in reserve for our Premier League team. So that, that should put pressure on Bamford in a, in a good way where you think, yeah, when that ball from Ben White is bouncing, just absolutely smash it in the net. And when that... He was quite unlucky with the 
the one, the second half that hit the post, it was just like a, a half volley bouncing ball in the penalty. He did miss hit it. Yeah, exactly. But it's and then Pablo Hernandez comes along and and basically showed him exactly what to do. Pablo's goal, um, as soon as the ball went to him and he broke. I knew he was going to score that goal. There was absolutely no doubt that that was going to go in the uh, the far bottom corner. Whereas if that had been Pad- Patrick Bamford, um, I wouldn't have felt the same. And he had Bamford had a chance about uh, like three or four minutes after that, where it's inside the box and the ball was there to be hit, and he just blasted it into the back of the cop. And uh, you think, yeah, it's uh, we can't just leave it all up to Pablo Hernandez every single time. But I did say, like, the start of that was me saying, let's let's just cool down on the Bamford stuff and we'll say that we'd quite like to see this other player and, and then I've spent another five minutes just absolutely lashing into him. <laughs> oh, he's, he's an easy one to beat with a stick with, isn't he, really? Bamford, we said before, because of his style and all that and whilst he continues to miss chances. But... Um, we should probably say for the sake of balance that we want him to succeed. Yeah, that's it. If he scores goals, great. He'll be my favourite player. Absolutely no problem with him if he just scores loads of goals. That's yeah. it. It's not like Belushi where I thought he was a, a twat and I wanted him out of the club. Yeah. Bamford seems like an alright sort of guy and if he can score goals, then I like him. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know what? When we spoke to Graham Smith from the Yorkshire Evening Post on that podcast, he made a very good point that actually it's striker's job to put things away and as much as we might bash the ones that he misses, it's that's what he has to do. Mm. Yeah, and it's the the contrast between his finishing and Pablo's today just shows it up. It's like that's that's what you do. That's how you put the ball in the net. And we were talking. We were, you know, we don't only criticise Bamford. It's what we were saying about Forshaw last week when you've you you've been told to get into the box a lot more, and he was doing it again today. And you're going to have shots from uh, ten, twelve yards, or fifteen yards. Hit hit the ball harder and at the goal. Like, the thing is, Bamford is a good finisher. That's what I think is maybe frustrating. He's a good finisher. He's shown it plenty of times. He has. It's it's a very it's a strange. Maybe it's. But how many times can you just put it down? So maybe it's just one of those days. Mm. Um, he should. There are some days where you watch Bamford and you come away and you think, uh, all right, yeah, he wasn't great today, but there's no major issues today. He could have scored two. He's out of the chances he had. There were there were two scorable ones there. I think. Um, and we needed them because without those, we didn't win. Are you worried at all? No, not really. I'm worried about finishing second instead of first. <laughs> we, we we battered them. There's no two ways about it. We were infinitely better than them. If we'd have played as Forrest did today, then I would be very worried because I would think we've been incredibly lucky to get a point from that. Because they were celebrating at the end like they'd won the bloody thing. It's a, it's a good point for them. Like, it's not... You know, it's not for us to say you can't celebrate a, a good away point against one of the best teams in the league, but if not the world, if not the world, <laughs> indeed. But yeah, th- they were crap. Like I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the playoffs this year. From what I saw today, they looked to have one good player in midfield, and Graben was a bit of a handful up front, but didn't actually have any real chances other than the, the goal, which I'm still not quite sure how it went in. The main threat seemed to be from uh, just bringing on some like two really big lads who mm. could run forward with the ball and nobody could get it off them, um, which was quite... Uh, yeah, it was like watching um, tiny little soldiers attacking a, a giant that were running at him and who were just being knocked off as they just charged forward. But that was their main um, attacking threat. I suppose the worry would be that we'll play a lot of teams like Forest this year who were all right um, and they'll play against us like relegation-threatened teams. 
get everybody behind the ball, defend deep, make it as tight as possible, and that we'll struggle to break them down. The thing op- is, we didn't actually struggle to break them down. We had several chances. True, and I was going to say the optimism on the, on that end is probably in catcher because we have signed the equivalent of a Tammy Abraham, which people have been crying out for years. Is although on the radio as we came in, somebody was saying that why didn't we sign uh, Dwight Gale? Dwight Gale <laughs> and uh, Noel Whelan. It was the radio leasing. No one was make, making the point. Like, well, well, maybe we like Steve Bruce doesn't want to let him go. And he said, well, Newcastle have got loads of strikers. Why won't Steve Bruce give us Dwight Gale? Because he scores goals. <laughs> yeah, that was the response. Because, well, maybe he wants to keep him because he's a really good striker and he'll have him in his squad. I'm really struggling. Speaking of radio leads, I went on there this week and said lots of fans really want us to sign Brian Gale to solve our goal-scoring <laughs> problem. And I'm finding myself struggling not to say the words Brian Gale. Can we just call him Brian Gale from now on? It's probably because you inhabit a space somewhere around late 80s, early to mid-90s, isn't it? Yeah. Brian um, Gale scores important goals for Leeds. That's what I say. Clinical finisher has never let us down. And that's the absolute polar opposite of pa- Patrick Bamford. Um, but we've got the player. We've, whether he's going to be good or not, we've got the player that is possibly the answer. So there's there's reasons to feel optimistic. Um, and there's reasons to think that Inketcher could be better than Roof. Like, everybody seems to think he will end up being much better than uh, than um, an Anderlecht has been. <laughs> so that's there's there's some optimism there that once uh, he gets up to speed and starts playing, we might have a little bit more happening in the box rather than a, a posh boys tea party like it was today. <laughs> it's just a shame Bielsa likes everyone to train for three months before he's willing to put them in the first team. <laughs> to be fair, I think I did see a tweet saying he's not prop, he's not really trained with us at all. Like he might right. have met the players on Friday, but there's some press conference doubts about whether he'll play against Salford. But even if he's had, you know, tomorrow, I assume they'll be in from nine till nine. Um, Monday, the same. Just a light one. Yeah, Tuesday, the same, and then the match. But I would, I'd stick him in against Salford. Like, why not? Okay. At this stage, then, let's pick some heroes and villains, some early candidates for our awards this week. Who have we got? Robert Jones, referee. Obvious. An obvious one. Um, as, well, as well as the stuff we've talked about. He was absolutely failing to get their players back on free kicks as well. I think it was Amiobi when he came on, just stood on every free kick. And the, in, at no point did he say, could you not do that? Or I might book you if you continue to do that. He just let him sort of try and block our free kicks from about a yard away, which was annoying. I suppose the, the other candidate would be Bamford, but I don't want to give it to him. I don't even want to nominate him as villain. I feel bad enough as it is. He'll probably be getting a lot of heat uh, today in general. So not Patrick Bamford. I support uh, uh, the referee, I think, Robert Jones, um, retrospectively for sending off Union O'Kane as well. Um, a double whammy. Heroes, Pablo, again. Second week running. He's probably going to win it again. <laughs> yeah, can't, I, we'll do a quiet... Um, oh, well, because we haven't seen the Forest goal back yet, so I'm, I was going to say Ben White or Liam Cooper, but until I know which one of those little bastards was responsible for that goal, um, <laughs> I will withhold judgment and we might save that for the, the the proper, the full podcast. Pablo, we would have been, we'd have been lost without him scoring that goal. And yeah, it's, uh, is um, Salim Lamran, his nickname for him, the example? Is he Pablo the, the that, no, he's the, the brain. The, the example Cooper. Okay. Well, we'll see what sort of example he made of himself for the goal. I have no idea who was involved in Forrest's goal. Um, the brain. Maybe they just need to swap nicknames. What I'm saying is Pablo Hernandez showed everybody today, uh, 
with that goal what we needed to do. Maybe click for the assist as well because that was a lovely little touch, but not as good as uh, Pablo Hernandez's uh, reverse pass later in the second half to Harrison, I think. So uh, Pablo again nudges ahead. And of course, the optimism here as we look forward to, we've got Salford midweek, but Wigan away next weekend is that Helder Costa is another week further down the line and he's got all those qualities that Pablo's got and the pace as well, as we've touched on in this one. So plenty of reason to be optimistic, I think. Do we still remain optimistic? Yes. We're unbeaten and we could still be top of the league by the end of the day if results go our way. So, um, yeah. And Michael, can I just check, did you make any money today betting on uh, Leeds United to drop that lead? Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. How much? £21. You're a bad, bad man. Can we review the villains? So the close-to-home villains is, one, you for profiting from uh, Leeds' lack of success, and your lad, just he just needs noted that... uh, his birthday, he, he has probably enjoyed his birthday today, hasn't he? Well, it's actually not his birthday till tomorrow. Right, so why is he celebrating today? Because it's the only time we could book the bowling alley, and I thought, oh, that's not going to Just don't let him go bowling. <laughs> it's too late now, it's happened. It's already I happened. don't see why your son should be having a fun time as a Tottenham fan, while we're all having a miserable time as Leeds fans. He's not a Tottenham fan, nothing is set in stone yet, although he is going to be at home watching it at tea time, he keeps telling me. Not if the, uh, not if somebody comes and steals the television. All right, that wraps it up then for this edition of the Matchball Podcast. We'll be back midweek with the regular podcast. We're recording on Tuesday this week. Is that right? Okay, so expect it around sort of Wednesday uh, or Thursday. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you then. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.